Welcome to the Fitness and Color Podcast, where we follow and highlight the experiences of people of color in the wellness and fitness industry, telling their stories in their own words. to start today's show with a moment of silence for Brianna Taylor and her family. Justice was not served, and yet again, we are reeling as a community at the loss of life and at the ways that this country continues to devalue Black lives. And so with that, let's take a moment of silence. Thank you. As Black people in this country, we are angry, we are sad, we are exhausted, and yet we persevere. My conversation with Dr. Kendi today is evidence of just that. The grand jury news of Brianna Taylor's case broke just as our call was scheduled to start. And I really want to bring you into this moment with me because it epitomizes what it means to be a black person in this country. We can, go, we can be going about our day, preparing for a meeting, meetings and obligations, and whether it be work-related, school, cooking, working out, childcare, whatever it is that you do in your normal life, we can just be going about our day and be hit with news of yet another tragedy and reminder of how we are treated and failed by the justice system. And we just got to keep it pushing as we process. In this case, Dr. Kendi and I had an interview recording scheduled for, for this podcast, uh, and this is a big interview for me, and so I turned my phone off uh, about an hour before and just to make sure I wasn't distracted as I prepared. Um, and I started the call and waited for Dr. Kenny to join. A few minutes after our scheduled start, I got an email saying that he would be a few minutes late. I saw that a note from my wife had come in, uh, and it was the breaking news of the grand jury decision not to charge Brianna's killers uh, with murder. I looked at it quickly and was upset, but I was on edge as I waited for Dr. Kenny to join. I sat and waited, not knowing that he too had just got the breaking news and was trying to take it in and process it as well. When he did join, I could tell that he was sad, upset, thinking and processing. It was awkward. Here we are, two black men trying to go about our planned obligations while processing the trauma that comes with injustice and the devaluation of black people. And it struck me because here's a man who was just named to the Time 100 list of the most influential people in the world. And he was hurting just as much as every other black person in this country at the news. Think about that. No matter how high we climb, we are still affected. As James Baldwin put it, to be black in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a state of rage almost all of the time. Dr. Kendi, of course, was gracious uh, and he apologized for being late and he wanted to carry on with our conversation, uh, even though I offered to reschedule. Um, and he wanted to talk. To me, it felt inauthentic and just wrong to continue and break into a conversation about running. But that's that's what we do. We take it and we keep it pushing. As we started, I couldn't help but notice that he was distracted, and rightfully so. We didn't get to everything I wanted to talk about. 
we didn't get to dive into many of, the, of his thoughts and ideas just because we didn't have time uh, and our time was cut short. But that's the reality that we live in. That is the reality for black people. We get and take what we can and we keep it pushing. Minutes after our call ended, he tweeted and posted on Instagram this message. To be black in America is to walk in the valley of the shadow of pain and death. The fact that black people still manage to carry on and create and find joy and love in the valley is nothing short of a miracle. And right now, our love for Breonna Taylor is filling us with rage. And with that, on to our discussion. Today, I have the honor of hosting number one New York Times bestselling author and America's leading scholar on anti-racism research, Dr. Abram X. Kendi. 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 I'm so sorry I'm late. I was just um, trying to take in the news for about Breonna Taylor. Did you want to reschedule? No, we can we can talk. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to be on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, welcome to Boston. Uh, rumor has it you've been running around the city. How often do you got to run? I, I you know, I try to to run, you know, pretty regularly. Nice. It's always good to get some fresh air. So you're a vegan, you're a cancer survivor, and so health is important to you. How much do you incorporate fitness into your life? I mean, I try to to be active and to exercise um, most days a week, uh, you know, when I can. So it's a central part sort of of my life because particularly with my sort of health background, it's just essential for me to ensure um, that um, it's just essential for me to ensure that I, um, you know, stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I think uh, for a busy person or a person as busy as you are, you do a good job in modeling good health behavior for the rest of us. Uh, it was released this week that you were named to both the Route 100 and the Time 100 list of the most influential people. Congratulations. You're a busy man. Thank you. How do you balance your health and well-being in the midst of uh, becoming one of the most influential people in America uh, and in the world? I think it, it only sort of encourages me or um, motivates me to ensure that I'm maintaining my health, you know, as the demands sort of on my time and as all the different things I'm, I'm, I have to do sort of increase, it only sort of forces me and compels me and encourages me to ensure that, that, that I'm taking my health first. I want to talk about the, the access of health and wellness for communities of color in America, specifically uh, access to running. It's easy to generalize and say running is the easiest sport to do. Just get out, you know, put a pair of sneakers on and get outside. But in reality, that is not the case for most black people. What are your thoughts on the accessibility of running or fitness for communities of color? Well, with anything, with any, let's say, activity or behavior that we want people to do because we recognize the ways it, it can be helpful for, for them or for society, it is much smarter and much more efficient and much more productive for us to for us as a community 
to make it easier for people to do that very activity rather than for us to lecture them on 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 the importance of that act activity and when we think about okay what can make it easier for these people to run or to do anything um, of the like that's when it comes to policy that's when it comes to changing policy and and, and, and changing conditions um, and and that's when we see these that if folks are not doing any activity as much as we think they should be doing, we're not saying there's something wrong with them. We're saying there's something that is preventing them from do, doing it. So let's change that. Yes, it's so refreshing to hear you say that. Uh, and I want to dive deeper there, but in the interest of time, I, I do have a few more questions that I want to get to. So I, I've been following the COVID racial data tracker launched from the Atlantic. Uh, COVID-19 is affecting people of color the most uh, for a multitude of reasons. You wrote in the Atlantic that, quote, this is the racial pandemic within the viral pandemic. How can the running and fitness be used as a tool to improve the overall health and wellness of people of color and help change the disparities in health outcomes? Well, I mean, I, mean, I, th I think that it is important for all people to to be physically fit to, to particularly to run and engage in high intensity cardio and and certainly it is especially important for 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 people who who are more likely to have pre-existing conditions to do that but but again i i don't want to say that from the standpoint of that's why black people have higher rates of pre-existing conditions is because we just choose not to exercise you know, certainly it's important for individuals who are who are black or um, you know or, or or brown to encourage others to do so. But when we're thinking about the group, when we're thinking about the community, when we're thinking about how to get more black and brown people to to access to in, run, um, we need to change conditions and policies. Yeah, change conditions and policies that allow for us, um, that makes it easier. So I uh, listened to your talk at the Fierce Urgency of Now Festival a few days ago, and I loved how you alluded to the fact that Boston gets a bad rap for its recent racial history in the 70s and 80s with busing and redlining before that. Uh, but uh, it also has a history of being the center of the national anti-slavery movement in the decades leading up to the Civil War. Being that Boston has a storied running history, and the Boston Marathon is a global event. How can organizations like the BAA or brands who call Boston home or influencers who live in the city contribute to diversifying running and making it more accessible to communities of color? I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, ensuring that they are running paths in within communities of color um, that, that are inviting and, and um, you know, for folks you know, I think that that's critical. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, thinking through how to sort of even sort of support running clubs within different sort of communities um, and, and, and to really figure out ways to integrate running into the activities that people are already doing. Yes, I agree with you. Uh, and I do think that some brands and organizations make an effort, but uh, I think we need more of it. I do want to go a bit broader with this question 
to get your thoughts on where you on where we are as a country today. Legal scholar and uh, civil rights activist Derek Bell introduced the term interest convergence, the idea that only the only time we ever see an expansion of rights for Black Americans is when white, white Americans benefit from the expansion of rights too. In other words, if white people don't see anything in it for themselves, nothing changes. In your opinion, where are we along that spectrum today? Well, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not necessarily completely in agreement with that perspective. I, I think I certainly agree that white people collectively, historically, uh, and certainly white people in positions of power have been more likely to support anti-racist policy change when they saw how it could benefit them. But then there was also scenarios in which black people through their resistance, through their organizing, through their movements, were able to force uh, white people um, to, or racist white people, I should say, into supporting anti-racist uh, change against their will, um, and or put it, created conditions through their protests in which it was no longer in their self-interest to maintain those racist policies. Like, for instance, the, the ways in which Black resistance to slavery in the 1850s created conditions in which Southern slaveholders felt that they needed even more military uh, might from the federal government in, in order to maintain this extremely restive population, which then caused them to want to succeed from the union when they felt that was not coming, which, which then uh, caused um, Black people during the Civil War to start running away from plantations. Um, which which then caused the President Lincoln, who was hesitant to basically issue an emancipation proclamation, but don't realize that was the only way to win the war <laughs> um, and, and to support it when he realized that. But Black people created the conditions in which that could happen. And so I, I just wanted to really put Black resistance, uh, you know, at really the driving force to me of racial change. Hmm, black resistance. That's uh, such a powerful and great perspective uh, and a timely one for where we are as a country today. Uh, so thank you. Uh, so we've already experienced and started to experience the waning support of brands and individuals who back in May and June expressed support for racial equity uh, and are now actually missing in action now that we're in September. Uh, an extreme example being I had a large brand reach out to me in June, uh, excited to put an event together with me, which ended up becoming the more than a run virtual 5K. At the time, they promised to throw all of their support behind it, uh, and we worked on it. Uh, they ended up pulling all of their support last week, uh, just the week before, you know, the week leading up to the event. What is the responsibility of these brands? So, I mean, I think it's 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 it, it is important for brands and companies more broadly to have a commitment to racial change, not necessarily just a one-off decision to support um, a, um, you know, an initiative um, and, and brands that are committed, you know, funded at a level that change can happen, policy change can happen, that a series of programs over a long period of time can happen. And so I, I guess, you know, to your question, really the 
to me, the responsibility of brands and 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 those with means to really support over the long haul uh, programs and 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 sort of efforts to change policy. I couldn't agree with you more. In my experience, brands uh, like to helicopter in and out of our communities, and they tend to take what they want as they need, uh, and it's always short term. Um, so, last question here, and then I'll let you go. Uh, are you excited for the more than a run? virtual 5k that starts today yeah i am looking forward to it i'm so glad y'all are organizing this thank you dr kendi uh, i really truly appreciate your time uh, i know it, it was cut short but um but i do appreciate it so th thank you for taking the time i hope you enjoyed our discussion as i mentioned at the start of the show our time was cut short and I didn't get to ask all of the questions I had prepared and we didn't have time to dive into his ideas and thoughts. Some of his answers about the importance of policy change and brands reassessing their standards are powerful and we should listen and unpack those thoughts as a running community. To his point about having running paths and routes highlighted in communities of color, I couldn't agree more. If you Google right now, best running routes in Boston, you will find lists and maps highlighting all of the great places to run in the city. Not one of those highlighted and celebrated routes are in a predominantly black neighborhood, not one. I live and run in Dorchester, Boston's largest and most populous neighborhood, and not one running route is documented or highlighted. It's like black people don't exist in the running community here. I can only hope that this discussion adds value to the continued efforts to grow and diversify our sport and that the organizations, media, brands, influencers, and teams who are in charge of coordinating and managing the running industry, I can only hope that they are listening. And now on to more than a run, our virtual 5K, which starts today. We are nearing our goal of raising $30,000 so that we can get the $30,000 match from Eastern Bank but we still have a ways to go. And so if you are listening, please help us reach our goal by registering for a run, for the run, donating to the organizations, sharing the run with your friends, your running friends, your family, and on your social media channels. We are raising money for three great organizations fighting for racial justice at three different levels. Davis Leadership Academy, the number one culture-based teaching and learning middle school. So we're taking care of our youth. Violence in Boston, taking care of the people who are affected by violence every day, our most vulnerable residents. And last, the BU Center for Anti-Racist Research, focusing on research and creating policy that would help us in the fight for racial equality. Your registration fees will also be used to continue to grow and diversify our sport. You will help support Fitness and Color podcast, which you are listening to now, where we focus on amplifying black voices you will help support Pioneers Run Crew, which aims to normalize running in communities of color. And you will help launch Pioneers, P-Y-N-R-S, just a different way of spelling it, uh, which is a Black-owned performance streetwear apparel brand launching in April 2021. Please rate, review, subscribe, and continue to listen to the podcast because it will help us rank and help uh, other listeners find us. Thank you and good luck competing and completing the more they run virtual 5K.
If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a quick review. This helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. If you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it with them. That wraps up today's show. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.